Man, lots of great stuff going around here at Westside Baptist Church, and we're so excited to be a part of it. Maybe your face was in one of those pictures, and uh, uh, we are so grateful for you. Take your Bibles, if you would, and let's turn to the book of 2 Corinthians. 2 Corinthians, as we continue this series, and we're going to look at chapter 8 this morning. 2 Corinthians chapter 8, and uh, what we are doing is we are in the middle of a series that is a REACH initiative. This is a discipleship initiative. And part of being a disciple is, is our life of giving, our life of stewardship. So this discipleship initiative has a big part of generosity and giving. And, uh, you know, Jesus talked more about money than just about anything else because he knew that where our treasure is, that's where our heart is at. And what we're going to look at this morning is evaluating our hearts. And, and uh, it is so critical that we that we let God expose our hearts, look into our hearts, transform our hearts for his mission. And this REACH initiative, let me just give you some bullet points real quick. Here's what it is. This REACH initiative is a five-week church-wide emphasis. We're in week number two. It's a five-week church-wide emphasis. On November 12th, we're going to take a two-year church-wide commitment. And this will be a commitment where you take two years of what you would normally give as a tithe. You pray about, God, would you stretch that uh, above that? Do you have anything you'd like to add to that to help us achieve the goal, to eliminate debt, to renovate uh, uh, the facilities and, and all all of the normal offerings you would put towards international missions, North American missions, quilting ministry, benevolence, all the different designated funds. We're going to begin to unify our giving about around a unified vision. And so this REACH initiative helps us put that out there. But November 12th is what we're praying towards. And, and you have examples of what that commitment card looks like. And I'll be explaining that in the weeks to come. I can't do it all on one Sunday. So you need to come back. You need to watch on video if you have to be gone to a football game or something like that. But we want you to be informed and just at this point, be praying and be open to what the Lord would have you do. And I believe that uh, if we follow through with this, we let God examine, evaluate our hearts. We pray about it. We do as the Lord leads. I truly believe it will make a 20-year impact Pact. And there are four foundations to this, uh, to this goal that uh, I talked about last week. And uh, I looked at them like a ladder, but here they are just kind of building on one another. That the foundation of all that we do is, is our ministry action plan. And it, it is all those activities, the lights burning, the choir singing, the pastor preaching, uh, the parking lot working, the grass growing, the, uh, the, the custodians cleaning, everything that happens under the lights uh, and a lot of what happens out in the community is, comes out of this ministry action plan. It is at the foundation. But we also want to, on, on this second leg of the ladder, we want to make sure that we are expanding our missions. And I'll talk more about that next week. But to expand our mission and to really make sure we execute our ministry action plan, we've got to eliminate some debt. That debt drag is tough. And so we want to eliminate that current debt as quickly as we possibly can. And then there are things we must and need to do to welcome our community, to renovate and restore, rejuvenate parts of our campus. And again, I'll be showing you more of that. But if you'll just consult this REACH booklet, it will explain a lot of those things. But this is the second, second sermon 
in the series. Last week, we looked at recognizing the need. People that act are people who see a need. You have to see it. You have to understand it. You have to feel it. But then those that recognize the need got to have a heart, a heart to do something about it. I'm a little bit sore this morning, been trying to get some grass to grow in my yard. You know, my poor wife, bless her heart, we've moved a lot in ministry and we've lived in a lot of different places. And I don't think, we've had some nice homes. You know, there's, it, we've lived in a lot of different homes, but I don't think we've ever had a decent yard. I don't know if it's my problem or what. I guess it is my problem, but I'm trying right now. See, my wife has a vision and she hasn't lost this vision. Here's her vision. Walking out barefooted into her front yard. That's about it. Just walking out into her front yard. Don't, don't think kids. This is her vision. Open the door, put the dog out, walk out into her grass barefooted and feel green grass instead of rocks, instead of dirt. She would just love sometime before she goes to heaven to have a green, full yard. Doesn't have to be a big yard. In fact, it's a little yard. But what I've been doing over the last few weeks is I've been preparing this yard. Man, I, have to, I removed all the obstacles. I took out what was left of the grass. I cut it all out. And man, I worked for weeks. I fertilized dirt. You think I'm crazy, but I had Stephen Hendricks. You need to talk to him. He's one of our church members. He used to own a sod farm. He's been my advisor. So if this doesn't work, we're talking to him, okay? And so Stephen's been advising me. He said, fertilize your dirt. So I removed the obstacles, fertilized the soil. And this past week, I threw in a couple of pallets of sod. And now I've been watering. I'm, and so will you join me, church, in praying that the vision, the vision my wife has for our yard, yes, the vision will come true one day. She'll step out of her house barefooted. And feel the green grass beneath her feet. Happy wife, happy what? All right, so anyway, that's her vision. But God has the same exact vision. It's just a little bit different. It is exact in this way. God, in his vision, sees churches that are green and growing and full that every row in this church, just like every row of sod that I laid, every row would be green and growing and fruitful. And that we would like that grass, if it's planted right, and if it is in good soil, that grass will spread and he wants his church to be green and fruitful. By this is God glorified when we bear much fruit, not when we are bare spots. But when we bear much fruit, he, in fact, in Revelation, we see Jesus walking among his churches and his eyes are on fire because his churches are not, they're not lit, they're not growing and he's walking and he's angry. He has a vision of walking amongst green, growing, vibrant, healthy churches. That's my vision. Is that your vision? Making disciples that make disciples in every row. Every row of grass ought to be green and growing. The difference and the, and the way that it's going to happen, that growth is completely dependent upon the soil of your heart. Have the barriers been removed on the inside so the barriers can be removed on the outside? Is the soil of your heart receptive to what God wants to do. Well, man, this is an incredible, 
picture of hearts, of how a heart responds to the work of God found in the Macedonian churches. And in chapter 8 of 2 Corinthians, Paul uses the example of these green, growing, vibrant, healthy, generous, giving Macedonian churches that were impoverished and poor. He used them as an example. He brought them into the church setting of Corinth, which was a rich, full church of all sorts of gifts and all sorts of abilities. He says, I want you to look at the Macedonians. There's a difference. They're impoverished, but their hearts are in it. They're all in, and they're giving, and they're generous, and they're growing. And and so he brings in this Macedonian miracle to present a Corinthian challenge. And the challenge comes to us as well. And Paul is challenging this Corinthian church. He's bringing up the topic of money, which most pastors, it's, it is just nerve wracking to do that. Cause I know I have guests that maybe you've been to the churches the first time in a long time. And you were convinced coming today that all churches want is your money. And I'm just, I know that because a lot of them, that's all they want. But you must know this, that Christ wants your heart, not your money. He wants your heart, not your money. And this is a discipleship initiative about your heart. But Jesus says this, where your heart is, you'll also find your what? Your treasure. So it's about the heart this morning. And this Macedonian church he, they, they add the heart, and then Paul says, Corinthians, you've got to have this heart. Examine your heart. Why was Paul bringing up a tough subject? And by the way, why was he spending two to three years of his ministry going to every church? You know, even at the end of the book of Romans, there is an appeal for this same offering. A lot of his letters were, were like those giving letters that people send you before they go on a mission trip. A lot of his letters were the same thing. All this doctrine at the end, he said, by the way, I'm on an incredible mission trip. God's given me a vision. Would you support it? Would you be generous? And look at his vision in chapter 9, verse 12. Look at chapter 9, verse 12. Because you cannot understand the Macedonian miracle till you understand the vision that they caught hold of. In verse 12, it says, for the ministry of this offering this service so paul was going from church to church throughout the greek gentile empire roman empire gathering up saddlebags full of silver and gold to take back to jerusalem in jerusalem they had faced famine they were facing some persecution people were going hungry and he said i'm gonna i have a vision from god that we will collect a great offering from the Gentiles. And the Jews don't even, the Jewish Christians didn't even trust the Gentile Christians. A lot of them didn't even believe it. They were real Christians. And so Paul's collecting this great offering. He's going to take it in Jerusalem, lay it at the apostles' feet, like Peter and some of those great apostles, lay it at their feet for the glory of God. He had this vision, this vision He says, for the ministry of this service is not only supplying the needs of the Jerusalem saints, but it is overflowing in many thanksgivings to God. By their approval of this service, this offering, they are going to what, church? Glorify God 
because of your submission that comes from your confession of the gospel of Christ and the generosity of your contribution for them and for all others. While they long for you and pray for you because of the surpassing grace of God upon you. Thanks be to God for his inexpressible gift. Let me put this together. So Paul is saying, I'm so grateful for the grace of God. The grace of God has saved a bunch of Gentiles. They're coming out of paganism. They're getting saved. The Jerusalem saints are suffering and they don't trust those Gentile Christians. They're not even trusting whether they're truly saved. I want to show them that God has transformed their heart. And the best way Jerusalem saints to see that a heart of a Gentile pagan has been transformed by the grace of God is that Gentile will give sacrificially and give generously to the needs of people they've never seen, that they don't even know. And so Paul's got this grand vision that was given to him by the Lord. And here's my first point. God calls our hearts by a vision for his glory and the good of others. He is continually calling you towards this vision. Is the world giving God glory like it should? No. We are called by this vision, God's vision, to have green rows of growing disciples all across planet earth, giving God glory and helping and meeting the needs of the suffering. God has this vision. He's given us this vision and he is working constantly, calling our hearts toward this. So if you are not feeling that, if you don't care about his glory, God being given, you don't care about the spreading and making of disciples. If you don't care about the needs of others, you need to look very closely at your heart because grace creates givers period period the second point you need to know is this God engages our lives in his vision the way that he connects us to his vision is through our giving the giving of our resources, the giving of our time, the giving of our spiritual gifts that he implants in us, the giving of our testimony. He, all, his vision constantly calls us towards sacrifice, towards giving. No matter how old you are, no matter how young you are, no matter how rich, no matter how poor. On November 12th, I'd love every single person, rich, poor. Maybe you've never given a dime. Maybe you've given incredibly sacrificial. Maybe you're just a kid. You don't even have a job. I'd like everybody to pray, God, I want to connect and engage in your vision for growing disciples and reaching our community and our world. I want to engage in that. And the way that I engage is through prayerful, generous, cheerful giving. God, help me to do that. Begin praying that because I guarantee you, God's calling you to that. It is God's will for us to engage our lives in his vision through our giving. And so Paul, look at chapter 8. So Paul says, here's your example. Corinthians, these Macedonians got it. They captured the vision. They were captivated by God's grace and it transformed their hearts. Look at verse 1. We want you to know, brothers, about the grace of God that has been given among the churches of Macedonia. 
For in a severe test of affliction, their abundance of joy and their extreme poverty have overflowed in a wealth of generosity on their part. You need to know a couple of centuries before this, Philippi, uh, Thessalonica, Berea, all of these in it's, these cities in the area of Macedonia had a huge economic explosion and they died and, and, and they had been impoverished for centuries. But Corinth was flourishing financially. And so Paul strategically says, I want you to see the Macedonians, God did a work in their heart. And when God's grace caught their hearts and that vision for his glory and the good of those Jerusalem saints, when they caught that vision, it turned them into generous, overflowing givers. Look at verse three, for they gave according to their means, as I can testify, and even beyond their means of their own accord. They ended up begging us earnestly for the favor of taking part in the relief of the saints. And this, not as we expected, but they gave themselves first to the Lord and then by the will of God to us. And so Paul said, I was just, I don't know why I was surprised. I know God's grace does this, but the Macedonians, there was just a miracle. They were impoverished. They got saved. And out of their poverty, they just gave. Here's what, here's what you need to know. When you get saved, God changes more than your eternal destiny. He changes the way you feel and think about life while here on earth. You can't disconnect that. You can't disconnect the grace that saves from the grace that changes your heart and transforms you and releases in you God's resources. See, the Macedonians were captivated by God. Did you catch that? They were so enthralled by what Jesus did for them? How could they not be givers? They were also captivated by this concept that God would want to partner with them on his mission. He wanted to involve them in the ministry. You need to understand, church, And I'm thrilled by this, that my giving, your giving, is connecting to ministry in this place that is changing lives. And a lot of times you come in, you sing, hear a sermon, go out, and you just don't realize, I want to give you some things to be excited about. This is why your faithfulness and your excitement about giving is so critical. You know, in the last three years, let me just give you a few numbers. In the last three years, we've had 517 new members, 285 baptisms. Now, that's a, that's a praise the Lord, right? That's a praise the Lord. We continue to average nearly 1,100 people in our life groups. And I, I have not big been, and you could probably tell this for the last three years, I'm not big on on uh, talking about numbers. I don't want to be at all about, but every single one of those numbers is a human being, a disciple that is being transformed by the grace of God to become a disciple maker. I love to see the families and the kids coming in. I love to see all the different generations, our children's ministry 
Do you know there's anywhere between 250 and 300 children here every Sunday morning? Now that's a good sign. Our children's ministry is, is growing and, and uh, we moved Mission Adventures, that discipleship program, to Wednesday night and, and the numbers have gone up and it's, they've been steadier. But the greatest thing is there's a plan. If you bring your child here, there is a discipleship plan that will help your child. If you'll just partner with us, it's going to help effectively teach that child what they need to do, help disciple them, and then usher them into the next phase of our next generation ministries as they go into middle school and high school. There is a plan to make disciples of children from babies all the way to the grave. We are in, in partnership with God to help make disciples. That's why your giving matters. It's making a difference. In student ministry, we've had 74 baptisms over the past two years. The, this current semester in our student ministry, it's averaging around 170 on Wednesday nights. 150 in life groups on Sunday mornings. That's up 30% in one year. That's a difference. Praise the Lord. Our music ministry has helped touch thousands. We had seven to 8,000 people come through here and hear the gospel last Christmas. Our international ministry, we have internationals that are here this morning. We're so blessed that you're here. And they have seen, they see 200 new internationals come into our church building every single year. In the past two years, we've seen 70 of them trust Christ. That is just amazing. Your faithfulness in giving matters. You're in partnership with God. The recreational ministry just literally sees thousands of kids and adults hear about Jesus through, through flag football and soccer and basketball. We, we are helping and assisting and partnering with the Christian school that's teaching and homeschooler associations that come in here. The lights are on for people who are trying to make disciples of the coming generations. We got to keep the lights on, church. You say, I don't, I don't just that budget giving or ministry action plan. Really, it does matter. It does matter. It's making a big difference. Every week, I run into people. Every week, I run into the people that stare at me for a while. And then they come out and say, Are you that preacher on TV? I'll say, no, I'm not. Sorry, you got the wrong. No, yeah. Man, I really enjoy your preaching. I love watching. I'm amazed at the people. Can I just tell you that that's, that could go away very easily this coming year. And there are people within 30, 40 square miles that are blessed by our television ministry. But it could go away. Your giving matters. What you do on November 12th matters. I just want you to know that. I just want you to know. Sunshine Day Preschool. We provide that building. They pay a, a, a modest amount to have all of that. And those kids are, are being exposed to Christ. It is incredible what you are accomplishing through your partnership and giving. God wants to engage you in all of this activity. And we'll talk about missions and some of the other stuff later. That's just the ministry action plan. So notice where Paul goes from here. Look at verse six. So 
Are you excited about that? The Macedonians were thrilled by the vision. They were excited by it. They were amazed at the grace of Christ and the cause of Christ and that God would just partner with them. But then look what Paul says. He turns and he says, and look at this word, accordingly. Like them, rich Corinthian church, accordingly, we urge Titus, one of your leaders, that as he started, so he should complete among you this same act of giving grace. But as you excel in everything, church, I mean, you've got a great choir, you've got great facilities, you're in faith, you've, you're in speech, in knowledge, in all earnestness. Remember, the Corinthian church had all these gifts, all this prophecy, all of the things that, that they had all of this, but he says, we want you to excel in this act, this act of giving grace. We want you to excel the same way. Why would Paul, why would Paul say that? Because he, he knew they needed to be set free from the grip of greed. And he knew that there is something that transforms in you when you become a giver. Your faithfulness in giving makes a difference. I want to tell you about a couple in our church named Mike and Amy Quick. Mike and Amy Quick, some of you may know them. I think they're maybe in their late 20s. I forgot to ask their age. Let's go with that. And, uh, but he's a Sunday school teacher. They teach the, uh, one of our life groups. He's a deacon. They, have, they are serving. They have kids that are, that are uh, growing up now in our church they met here under the lights. They met here under the lights. They married. They've grown in their faith. And God has done a work in their heart in the area of giving. Let's watch this together. Hi, my name is Michael Quick. And I'm a life group leader, a deacon, and I've even danced in GCF for the past three years um, in Act 2. And, you know, if anyone had told me about seven years ago that I was going to be in a, in, a, in a giving testimony video for Westside Baptist Church, I would have thought you were absolutely crazy. But something that I've come to realize is that God can do some really crazy, miraculous things in your life. So about seven years ago, I asked my mom, who ran a business for 30 years, hey, can you look over my budget and help me look and see where my money's going. So she sat down and we started going over some things and she's like, well, I can tell you your first problem. She's like, you're not getting the money that you get. And I was like, hold on, you're, you're, you're missing the point of this whole exercise. I can tithe later. I need to get my finances set now. I, I don't have any money to tithe. That's, that's not how my budget's gonna work. And she's like, no, that, that, when you get your paycheck, you tithe first. You give to the church first. You know, I, I, had, I had to realize that you know, tithing is not just for the richest 1%. It's not for the people who have just been in the church for 20 years or more. It's for every Christian. We are all called to give to God's kingdom. And so, long story short, I started, I started doing that. And I started, you know, testing God and, and praying that it would glorify Him and that He would, He would, He would take care of me. And, you know, I come to realize too that anything you do, whether you're, whether you're in any, any kind of ministry you're involved in, or anything that you decide to do, even even dancing in GCF, I am not a dancer. I'm a horrible dancer. But if you're doing it to honor God, to glorify Him, He's, he's not going to let you fail. So if you're giving to God to glorify Him, 
he's not gonna let you fail. It's, it's impossible. So I started doing that and shortly after that, um, I started dating Amy. We met at Westside. And uh, so I, I decided to kind of test her and I came to her with a very Pharisee-like question. And I went to her and I said, um, should I tithe on the net or the gross? And I'll let, you, I'll let her answer that question. <laughs> so I also, like Mike, had a very, you know, typical church childhood where, you know, we tithed on our birthday money, we tithed on any allowance that we got. Our parents wanted us to understand, you know, that what we have comes from God and we're supposed to give it because it's an act of worship for Him. And I think as I grew up, like, I just knew that's what I was supposed to do. And I was very faithful about it, but I was also very legalistic about it. I had my calculations out and I knew what percentage I was going to give and I did it and I was done. And I think it wasn't until really kind of I got out of college, had my, you know, full-time job, started my career, and that I really realized, one, I was at that time lucky to even have a job. And so how can I even consider it my money when it was the grace of God that he allowed me to get the education and the job that I had and everything that we had in our life? Then especially after we got married and really started thinking about, you know, our household income and our budget as a whole, we wanted to make sure that we were recognizing what we had came from God and that we're able to give it back to Him. And I think that was whenever we really realized that we don't have to give, we get to give. You know, it's kind of the same way that we tell our two-year-old Lachlan that none of the toys in this house are his. They're mommy and daddy's and we love him enough that we let him play with them. And so he needs to share them with others because we love him and so he needs to love others too. And we kind of take that approach that that's how everything we have comes from God. And so he's trusted us with it. So we need to be able to share it and give it to others and to really bless them. But to go back to Mike's question, I never even actually gave him an answer. I told him, if you're asking me that question, that's the problem. Because it's not about how much or what much, you know, what calculation you use. It's about being in touch with the Holy Spirit and with God and trusting Him with everything that you have and just praying that He'll lead you to be able to bless others like He has with us. And we really think that that's an important part of our lives. Yeah, yeah. See, this is why your faithfulness matters. People like that are a product, a product of discipling ministry. And ministry action plan makes that possible. And so as you pray and connect to the REACH program, just know that. And know that it's, it's, if we can give even more, and maybe God is stretching you and, and calling you as you're praying. If we can reach those upper goals of, of $10.5 or $12.5 million over two years, we can eliminate the debt, the vast majority of the debt. And, and the more we relieve that debt, the more it frees up for ministry. I loved what... Uh, they were so honest in their, in their giving testimony. Some of you here may be like Mike was. Mike's like, you know, I'm just getting started out. I don't have a whole lot. And you're just down here on the ground floor. You're not giving anything. You're kind of waiting until you feel like you got enough. And did you hear what Mike said? You know, he took a step. He stepped from giving 
nothing. He stepped all the way up to giving, giving like a tithe. Wow, that's, that's a pretty big step. For some of you, giving the first 10% of everything you have. See, that's the biblical standard, and, and that's a scary step for many of you. Some of you grew up like Amy did, like I did. I mean, you've been given that tithe since you were, you were just a little kid. You'd bring it into church. How many of you are scared with me on this ladder? A few of you are frightened. Well, just it's a little bit more frightening the higher I go. You know, and Amy said, you know, it's really not about just counting the steps and say, hey, I've made it to 10%. I'm good. That's the legalistic answer. I've, I've given my 10%. I can do what I want with the rest. She said, no, that's not, that's, that's not it. It's God giving you the heart to do more. And the higher you go, it gets a little bit scarier. But guess what Matthew says? Matthew says, don't lay up treasures in earth where moth and rust destroy and thieves steal, but lay up treasures where? In heaven, in heaven. And then he writes this verse, and this is Jesus talking. He says this in Matthew 6, for where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. Listen, God doesn't want your money. He wants your heart. They just happen to be where? In the same place. God doesn't want your money. He wants your heart. They just happen to be in the same place. In fact, I'm not sure you're convinced about this. Jesus just said it, but let's, let's read this together. I think the next slide has this. No, it doesn't. Let's go back to that verse. Let's just read that third point together. Can we do this? God doesn't want your money. He wants your heart. They just happen to be in the same place. Evaluate your heart. You know the best way to evaluate your heart? Where's your money? Where's your money? Just begin praying. Let me give you four things to do. First thing, pray. Just pray for direction. You start talking to God about this subject. You start asking him for direction. He's going to answer that. Let me give you another thing to do. This week, ponder the incredible. The incredible is Christ came to die for you. Christ saved you as an act of incredible grace. And here's another thing to ponder. That same God who created the billions of galaxies with billions of stars, that same magnificent God has invited you to partner with him in missions, to be a part of that vision. Like me, you may not know what you're doing with that grass and you get out there and you're laying that grass and you're just doing what God told you to do like I was doing what Mr. Hendricks told me to do. But you just keep on doing it. You're in partnership with God. You trust God. Ponder the incredible things. Partner with God. Say, God, I want to be a part of what's happening at Westside and around the world through my giving. And then finally... You're going to have an opportunity to plan it. You've got to make a plan. 
how am I going to join God in this REACH initiative? Would you pray with me just for a moment? I want you to bow your heads and close your eyes. And, and I'm going to sing a song, a song that means a lot to me. And it's just a song that causes us to ponder the grace. And when we ponder the grace... God changes us into givers. He turns us into generous givers because we can't imagine the incredible reality that God wants to be part of our lives and he wants to use us for his grace and for his mission and for his glory. Isaac Watts wrote this song, the words, he got it like the Macedonians did. He understood when he pondered the grace of God, it did a work on his heart. When I surveyed the wondrous cross, which the prince of glory died, my richest gain I count but loss and poor contempt on all.
Father, we just come to you. When we ponder the incredible grace, when we ponder the the blessing of partnering with you, it does a work on our hearts. So God, we just come now into a time of response, a time of invitation, a time where we, we are called by your vision green growing churches, green and growing disciples, spreading across our communities and our neighborhoods and our world. We're we're compelled by that. We're called by that vision. We're called by it to generously contribute, to give our lives, to give everything you've given us. And Father, just help us take that step of faith. Help us not be fearful. Help us take at least one step up this ladder from wherever we are. God, stretch our faith. When we consider the cross, we're the whole realm of nature mine. I'd give it. I'd lay it at the feet of my Savior. God, this invitation isn't about money. This invitation isn't about this church. This invitation isn't about any of that. What this invitation is right now is about our hearts. It's about my heart. It's about the heart of every single person sitting in a chair in this room. Where where are we at and do you have our hearts. God, help us to release them, to open them up to your transformation. God, just take whatever you desire of our lives and use it for your glory and for people's good.